Welcome to the 188th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast. In this edition, our topics are a brief overview of my weekend predictions, our weekly look at the NFL playoffs, our weekly looks at the NBA, and also our weekly look at college basketball. So let's jump right in with a look back at my weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. In the NFL, I went 4-2. and two. In the NBA, I went 3-1. and one. And in college basketball, I went 4-0, and oh, uh, which brought me to 11-3 overall this week, 637 and 414 overall, period. Um, that is a 60.6 winning percentage, so pretty good overall. Uh, very happy with how this week went, especially with some upsets that took place in the NFL. Um, in the NFL, uh, the 49ers beat the Seahawks 41-23. to That one I got right. The Jaguars beat the Chargers 31-30. I got that wrong. The Bills beat the Dolphins 34-31. I got that right. The Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. I got that wrong. The Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. I got that one right. And the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers 31-14 on a Monday night football uh, edition of NFL playoff action. Um, and then in the NBA... The Timberwolves beat the shorthanded Suns 121-116. The Heat beat the Bucks 111-95. Sorry, I got that one wrong. I got all the rest of them right, uh, including that Timberwolves game. The Grizzlies beat the Pacers 130-112. And then the 76ers beat the Jazz 118-117. And that was the results of the week for me. Uh, so overall, a pretty good week in predictions. Very satisfied with how I did. And then in college basketball, I should say, actually, I was about to move on. Uh, number 17, TCU, beat number 11, Kansas State, 82-68. to uh, It takes some of the sting out of uh, football season for TCU that their basketball team is so good. Uh, cannot say the same for Michigan. Can kind of say it for Ohio State. And Georgia's actually been surprising that they've even reached bubble status, and I think they have gotten pretty close to that so far. So even they are pretty happy about their season. But TCU definitely uh, the happiest that they needed it, um, and they're – Getting over it well with how well their basketball team is playing. Then number two, Kansas. Speaking of football teams, they had their first bowl game appearance in a long time. But they go, and they are still number two in the country. Probably could be number one pretty soon. Uh, they beat number 14, Iowa State, 62-60. to It says a lot about Iowa State that they kept this game this close uh, at the Fog. So not very, uh, somewhat of a surprising result that Kansas was not closing this game out by more, but Iowa State still doing a good job overall, uh, keeping that game close and looking pretty good on the season. Then you have number 21, Auburn, who beat Mississippi State 69-63, to uh, and number 12, Xavier, who beat number 25, Marquette 80-76, to and I got all of those games right, uh, as I said, but that will be it for my look at my weekend predictions. Let's now move on to a look at Wild Card Weekend. Going back chronologically at the beginning of wildcard weekend, we had the 49ers knock off the Seahawks 41-23. This game was a lot more difficult than I expected it to be for the Niners. Uh, the Seahawks scoring 17 points of their 23 total uh, in the second quarter, so a strong onslaught from them to get themselves back into the game after being down 10 to nothing in the first quarter. Uh, and after they were able to rebound back, uh, the 49ers had a one-point deficit at the half, but they were able to beat the Seahawks 25-6 to throughout the second half, so the 49ers pretty easily able to walk away with that win when it was all said and done. Uh, but look, Brock Purdy played decent in this game. Uh, a lot of people are overrating his performance. A lot of people are also underrating his performance. 
Uh, I think the stats speak for themselves when they say, or, or on the good end of things, but they're also a little bit deceiving because some of his uh, downfield throws definitely could have been picked off and instead became big receptions, and I really do think that they probably should have been picked off. So, you know, there's a uh, there's definitely a question as to how much he deserved uh, the stats that he was able to put up um, and how good of a quarterback he is going forward. I still don't think he's good enough to lead them to the Super Bowl, but I've said for a while one or two wins in the playoffs is definitely not out of the grasp of imagination, and I think that's exactly what's happening now. This game against the Cowboys will be a close one for sure. Uh, if they were playing the Giants, I'd be much more confident, but I still do think that their defense is good enough to hold up against the Cowboys, and they probably will be able to generate enough pressure on Dak Prescott that Brock Purdy will be able to do enough against the Cowboys' defense uh, to end up winning this game. Um, but on the other end of things, uh, well, I won't actually talk about the Giants because I'm going chronologically, but the Jaguars beat the Chargers 31-30. to I predicted the Chargers, but... That was before I knew Mike Williams would be out. Uh, I maybe would have changed it. I was really on the edge of the uh, for this prediction, so could have gone either way and uh, just didn't go my way, but that's okay. Um, the Chargers were up 27 to nothing in this game, and that needs to be said first. Uh, look, the Jaguars scored 31 of the next 34 total points in the game. The only time they didn't score was when the Chargers had a field goal in the third quarter, uh, but the Jaguars able to get a touchdown in the two-minute drill at the end of the half, of the first half, to make it 27-7 at the half, and then outscored the Chargers 24-3 in the rest of the game, including some gutsy calls to go for two by Doug Peterson, uh, an interesting wing tee formation on fourth and one that Penn State has run a few times this season, but Jaguars running it to perfection uh, in a short yardage situation and then actually getting 20 yards out of it in the end to set up Riley Patterson for the game-winning field goal. Uh, look, the Chargers missed a field goal in this game. Uh, that came back to bite them for sure. And they also just made a bunch of other mistakes that they shouldn't have made. And really, it resembled that Patriots-Falcons comeback that uh, Tom Brady engineered when up 20, when down, sorry, 28-3 to to the Falcons, uh, how the Patriots were able to come back and win that game. It was really kind of a similar situation there for the Jaguars. Uh, and their ability to make this comeback in this game was just incredibly surprising. Definitely something that... I don't think anybody was expecting, uh, but they did it. They were able to pull off, I think it's now the third biggest by margin, uh, comeback in playoff history. So the Jaguars putting themselves in the history books for that. We'll see what happens uh, next week. Don't think they're going to be doing much against the Chiefs, to be quite honest. But you know what? I still think they can keep the game close, and uh, there will be some good quarterback play in that game, hopefully, uh, if Trevor Lawrence is able to continue his momentum from the second half of that game rather than play like his first half self. And speaking of uh, some interesting quarterback play, Josh Allen not able to avoid the turnover bug unlike his past postseason self. He actually only had one interception going into this game in his postseason career, but two in the first half of this game uh, against the Dolphins that kind of allowed them to stick around. The Dolphins scored 17 points in the second quarter to keep this game close as the Bills had a 20-17 to halftime lead. Uh, but then the Bills... Kept it exactly even in the second half. It stayed a three-point margin by the end of the game. Uh, Skylar Thompson had his ups and downs for sure. Had a, uh, some interesting, uh, an interesting stat line, you could say. 18 of 45, I believe, was his final number. Uh, but a very up-and-down game. Some questionable interceptions, but Josh Allen kind of did the same. Uh, but in the end, the only thing that matters is that the Bills got the win. They will be moving on. They will play the Bengals in that game 
that obviously are in a rematch of a game that technically never was really played. That will be in Orchard Park. And then if the Bills and the Chiefs both win, then there will be a neutral site AFC championship game, which will be an interesting sight to see in terms of the fans, in terms of the atmosphere. Does it feel like a Super Bowl game? Uh, will the NFL stick with that going forward? We don't really know, but I'll move on from that. Talk about the Giants, who went on the road and upset the Vikings 31-24. to Really, the two predictions I lost, I was going back and forth on. Uh, I just had a feeling that, you know, the Giants, they made their fair share of mistakes when they lost to the Vikings earlier in the year. And if they were able to play mistake-free, it really felt like they were dominating that game against the Vikings. And look, th- this is the same Vikings team that was an underdog against the Lions. And even as a 13-win team, couldn't somehow get motivation from being underdogs against a sub-500 team at the time. So you can just tell that this Vikings team was not as good as the record indicates. I think a lot of people have been debating whether they're the worst 13-win team of all time. They might be. Uh, But for now, what's important is that the Giants were able to get sustained offense throughout the game. The Vikings really were never able to slow the Giants down. And then obviously it ended with the three-yard out route to TJ Hawkinson on fourth and eight seen various breakdowns of why or why not it wasn't a good play or a good read or whether he could have made a better read, that Kirk Cousins, that is, um, and that could have made a better throw potentially or whether he was just looking to his first option and then went through his progressions to his second option and it ended up being Hawkinson, but he was too short. I don't really know. Uh, not I, I don't have that level of football knowledge, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Uh, so I will leave that to the experts and the former quarterbacks, but... The most important thing, what I can analyze, is that the Vikings uh, just weren't able to get it done against the Giants. They weren't able to stop the run. They weren't able to stop the pass. And as a result, the Giants will be moving on. Uh, They will be taking on the Eagles in the next round in a divisional rematch. Uh, I don't give them much of a chance in that one, but if they're able to pull that win off, they might just start teeing off wins all the way to a Super Bowl like the last time they won a playoff game, which was when Eli Manning uh, and the Giants were eventually able to claw their way to a Super Bowl after getting in, I believe, as a wild card, maybe even with his 9-7 and seven record, so pretty similar. Uh, so Definitely invoking the energy of past New York Giants teams, uh, this one is, uh, with Daniel Jones and the rest of the bunch there. Uh, but then you have the Bengals, who beat the Ravens 24-17. to uh, I agree with J.K. Dobbins that if they had Lamar in this game, they absolutely would have won. It actually came down to, at, at 17-17, to Uh, the Ravens not getting a touchdown because Tyler Huntley tried to reach over the goal line. um, And then in the end, instead of scoring the ball, he actually fumbled. And that fumble recovery was the last touchdown in the game. The review at 17-17 was either that uh, Huntley would have scored, or if he didn't score, it was Sam Hubbard going 98 yards the other way on a fumble return to get the game-winning score, and in the end, it was true that Sam Hubbard did, in fact, recover a fumble. Tyler Huntley did not get past the goal line, Um, and the Bengals end up taking a very, very close win, but to be honest, this win did not inspire any confidence in me uh, from the Bengals. Definitely, definitely strongly favoring the Bills um, in their matchup, which will happen next Sunday, uh, especially because it's in Orchard Park for sure, but definitely the Bengals' performance not doing them any justice and giving me any confidence about them going into next week. Uh, But then, finally, the last game was the Cowboys against the Buccaneers. The Cowboys won 31-14. Could have been more because they missed every single extra point except for one. So basically, this game should have been 35-14. It looks like they scored four touchdowns and the Buccaneers held in the the red zone and 
had to give up one field goal. But in actuality, it was actually that the Cowboys completely dominated, scored five touchdowns, a touchdown in every quarter while the Buccaneers were shut out in the first half. The first time Tom Brady has been shut out in the playoffs since the 2001 AFC wildcard game, which was his first playoff game, which might end up being ironic because it might be that he was shut out in his first career playoff game and shut out in the first half of his last playoff game if he indeed does decide to retire and then not unretire uh, in the offseason next season. But we'll see what happens there. Definitely, though, the story of this game was Dak Prescott uh, and how well he was able to engineer the Cowboys' offense. The running game was going pretty well, but not entirely uh, without its flaws. But the passing game was very, very successful all game long. Um, and the Cowboys just able to demolish the Buccaneers. They got some points late, but by that time the game was already over. The Buccaneers scored their final touchdown after already being down 31-6, to and it was really already out of reach at that point. Uh, but that is all I have for the NFL. You will see my predictions uh, for next weekend's games uh, on Thursday, obviously, and I'll say that reminder one more time. Um, but as always on Thursday. But for now, let's move on to our recap of the NBA. I will start our NBA recap with the three most impressive teams of the week, as always. Uh, The Celtics were number one this week with wins over Charlotte twice at the end of the week, and then also Brooklyn and New Orleans were the other two teams they beat. Uh, Pretty important because their schedule obviously seems lighter because of the two wins over Charlotte. Uh, But the wins against Brooklyn and New Orleans are against very, very quality teams. Obviously, the Celtics all year long have been one of the best, if not the best teams uh, in the league, but still very good, very impressive to go on a 4-0 week, uh, especially in a week where they played so many games, actually played five games over the last eight days, if you go back all the way to Monday, um, of or sorry, to Tuesday of last week. Um, but yeah, a good stretch for the Celtics, and uh, they will continue to march on forward. And I think they are definitely my pick to win it all as of right now. But that can obviously change based on what happens in the rest of the season. But for now, Celtics definitely uh, the front runners in the NBA. Then you have the Grizzlies, who went 3-0 this week. Uh, They beat Phoenix, uh, the Pacers, and the Spurs. The Spurs not having a good season at all, and uh, we will uh, touch on that a little bit later. Um, and then Indianapolis, Indianapolis was a little bit, or I should say Indiana. This is why I said I'm just going to say Indy from now on, because uh, I always get them confused. But anyway, the Pacers uh, didn't have Tyrese Halliburton, and also the Suns were very, very shorthanded, missing numerous players um, that are integral to their team and uh, just overall their best players. But look, the Grizzlies played shorthanded Suns and Pacers squads, as I said, but the wins they got uh, are the things that matter. And they also beat the Spurs en route to this 3-0 week. And finally, I will move on to the Nuggets. Uh, They beat Orlando, they beat the Clippers, and they beat Phoenix. They had another relatively easy schedule, just like the Grizzlies, but they were still able to handle it, and that's what's important. Uh, The Clippers, though, did have Kawhi back and healthy. um, And in general, Kawhi has been playing better recently, so they definitely deserve credit for that win. Um, And then Orlando, obviously not the greatest team. Uh, And then also, of course, Phoenix definitely shorthanded still. They were throughout the week. But now, let us move on to the most disappointing teams of the week. I will start with the Pacers, who I've touched on twice already because of their schedule this week. But I would like to mention, or sorry, just once actually, but I would like to mention that uh, they lost all four games this week to Milwaukee, to Memphis, to Atlanta, and to the Knicks. They are still a good team, and I have faith that they can rebound from this 
very, 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 very poor week of play. But Tyrese Halliburton was injured earlier this week, and then everything everything just seemed to derail for them. Um, and while I'm not going to say that they don't have an excuse for losing a few games, I will say that they at some point are going to need to figure out a way to win without Tyrese Halliburton. Um, because what happens if he gets into foul trouble in a playoff game or even in a play-in game, and that becomes the downfall of their season, that he picks up two early fouls and they just get blown out of the water because of that. They do need to figure out how to play at a high level without him, and they haven't done that yet, and we will see next week and going forward a little bit, depending on how long Tyrese is out. Of course, wanting to be back as soon as possible, but depending on how long he's out, we will see how well the Pacers actually do end up dealing with that injury. Um, then we have the Charlotte Hornets, who went 0-4 this week. I put them up this high not because they're a good team who had a bad week, like the Pacers are, but because they only played two teams this week, and the fact that they failed to beat Boston or Toronto just once, just split one of those little two-game sets with those teams, and it would be fine. It, it was just pretty disappointing. Uh, they only played two teams, as I said, failed to split either of the two-game sets between Boston and Toronto. They just look lost in general, and there's a reason they will be in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes by the end of the season, if they're not already uh, in those, if you want to say. Uh, and then you have the Spurs, who also are in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. They went 0-3 this week. They lost to Sacramento, to Golden State, and to Memphis. Only at the bottom of this list because they possibly could be the worst and least talented of these teams and also played the hardest schedule. Uh, but somebody has to go here in the third spot. Uh, it would have been the Lakers, potentially. Uh, but I don't like the way that they lost against the 76ers because I really think Russell Westbrook was fouled on the last play of the game there. So I don't think it's entirely fair to uh, talk about them because of that. And also they did get the win yesterday against Houston. So they actually only went, they, they went one and two last week. Um, so I, I can't really justify putting them on there because of that, despite the fact that, yes, it was a very rough week uh, for the Lakers. But... You know, you you'll never decide. You'll never know when Pop is going to retire, and for this to be his last team, that would be pretty unfortunate. So, uh, that's kind of the reason why I have the Spurs on here. Not really the only reason, but one of the teams with the worst records. And you know, just want to touch on that fact because at this point they're trending very, very, very negatively, um, and I don't know how they would come back from this. So, uh, I don't want Pop to end his career on that kind of a team, but it looks like that might be the only possibility based on how they've been playing. But now I'll move on back to a positive note. The player of the week, it goes to Jason Tatum, who secured this with a 51-point performance yesterday against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he averaged 33.8 points, 9.8 rebounds, and five, and five flat assists per game last week uh, en route to the Celtics for no week. Um, so a good week by Jason Tatum. Could have put somebody else here, but I would like to mention that he does this kind of every week, and this is actually way closer to his season averages than you would think it is, but that's the level that he's been performing at. Jason Tatum has been performing at an MVP level all season long, and that should be recognized, and that's why I'm recognizing it now by giving him the player of the week. But uh, enough of the NBA. Let's move on to, as we know, my favorite sport to put time into. Let's talk about college basketball starting with the close games uh, in that realm. Number two, Kansas went through a scare early in the week, uh, beating a bubble team, Oklahoma, 79-75. to Every game at this point in the Big 12 is pretty close. Uh, the only two teams who have kind of established themselves at the bottom are Texas Tech, and to an extent, West Virginia. Texas Tech definitely is, I think, the worst team in the conference. 
uh, just because they still haven't gotten a conference win. And while West Virginia hasn't either, their non-conference is a lot stronger uh, than Texas Tech's non-conference. Uh, but still staying in the Big 12 and actually just the same matchup, but with State added on to the end of it. Number 11, Kansas State beat, beat Oklahoma State 65-57. to Oklahoma State, another bubble team that's kind of at the bottom of the conference there with Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. Uh, but look, Kansas State has been great all year. They had just one loss before they barely got into the rankings. It was a little ridiculous that it took them that long. Uh, but then they were at 15-1 after beating Baylor. And now uh, they did suffer a loss later in the week that we'll talk about. But, um, and I actually talked about it in my predictions too, but Kansas State, a very, very good team. The Big 12 definitely looks like the best conference in college basketball uh, this year when you look at kind of how the Big 10 pretty much only has bubble teams throughout the conference or seven seeds pretty much. Uh, and no one has kind of established themselves behind Purdue, but that's a different story. We will get to that later. Let's move on first to the ACC, where number 13 Virginia beat North Carolina 65-58. to A good win for Virginia. North Carolina is going to need to squeak out a few of these wins at some point in the year over the ranked teams that are in the ACC, Virginia, Miami, uh, maybe even Pitt by the end of the season. Who knows? But maybe a road win against Pitt would be a quality win. But North Carolina is going to have to start stacking up some quality wins. NC State is also on that list. Uh, but yeah, North Carolina needs some quality wins. Virginia, not giving them that opportunity. Speaking of quality wins, uh, in an under-the-radar game that actually should have probably gotten more national attention, Rutgers beat Northwestern 65-62. to Both of these teams were on the border of being ranked this week. Uh, Northwestern later in the week would actually suffer another loss on the road to Michigan, so they went from nearly ranked in kind of the 30s-ish range, the 25-30, to maybe 30-35 to ranked team range, now all of a sudden back all the way down to the bubble because, after all, there are only 38 at-large bids and... Most there are actually there are fewer than that. I don't know why I said that, but I think the the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter. the The team that gets cut off from the bracket is typically around the forty fifth or the forty sixth, something like that. Best team in the nation, depending on how many bid stealers there are. And Northwestern already starting in the mid thirties. It's not it's not um, a guarantee, I guess I'll say, that a team that's consistently in the others receiving votes category does make the tournament. Um, and Northwestern only able to reach that once with all their momentum, and then now has lost twice in that week, so not going to be in that uh, kind of group this week. But Rutgers, on the other hand, actually did get ranked by the end of the week after this win and after their win uh, that we will talk about later uh, in the week. Then you have number one, Houston, who beat South Florida 83-77. to uh, A good win for Houston, not really, because South Florida isn't very great, but you know what? A win's a win for Houston. They are not going to lose many games at all because... Memphis and, to an extent, UCF are kind of the only other quality teams uh, in that conference. So it's looking like Houston's going to have another easy year uh, as they cruise to a one seed as long as they don't suffer too many slip-ups later in the year. Maybe even a loss to Tulane tonight, who's a quality team in the conference. Who knows? Uh, but then you have number 10, Texas, who beat number 17, TCU, 79-70. Not a bad loss for TCU other than the fact that they had an 18-point lead in this game and they weren't able to... Uh, carry it forward and take it for all the way for the win, but we'll talk about why it was okay later in the week. Uh, number 22, Charleston beat UNC Wilmington 71-69. This Charleston team is high-ranked, but if you look at their metrics, uh, they need an auto bid to get in right now. If they were to suffer a loss in the conference tournament, it wouldn't be enough. They would definitely be one of the better teams that wouldn't make the tournament, but there is not a single metric that really likes this team outside of the net rankings um, and the AP rankings, which... The AP rankings obviously have no bearing on the NCAA tournament, despite what people may think. 
Uh, so Charleston needs to start kind of. I don't. I don't need. I don't think they need to demolish every team they play, uh, but they need to win by some more secure margins against some of the teams that are in their conference that aren't very good, frankly. Uh, and then you have number twelve Xavier who beat Creighton ninety to eighty seven. Creighton's gonna need to take some of these close games and uh, win them because when Ryan Kalkbrenner was out, they just lost too many games in a row. They don't have a cushion built in that they can lose close Big East games, or too many of them, I should say. They do need to win a lot of them. They can't just be only a few games above 500. Uh, although maybe the tournament committee is lenient because of the fact that they play so well when Ryan Kalkbrenner is healthy, that maybe they get the benefit of the doubt there, but I'm not quite sure. They definitely need to pull off some of those wins against teams like Providence, and, uh, well, we'll talk about that later in the week. I kind of spoiled something there. But number eight, Gonzaga beat BYU 75-74. to This was a close game. Gonzaga getting a last-second shot by Julian Strother, I believe a three to put them up by one and to seal the game away as BYU didn't even really get off a clean shot at all uh, at the end of this game. Uh, then you have number two, Kansas, who beat number 14, Iowa State, 62-60. to I already talked about that in the context of my predictions. Number 10, Texas, beat Texas Tech, 72-70. to Texas Tech keeping another game close, but still not able to come out with the win. Uh, and then you have NC State, who beat number 16, Miami, 83-81 to in overtime. I did NC State a great uh, injustice by not having them in my bracket for the past few weeks and not having them in at all. Uh, I did have them as the second team out, so I'll give myself some credit for that. But this big win was definitely enough that even if they suffer a loss tonight, I will probably have them in at the very bottom of my bracket. If they get the win, then they will be even higher. Because uh, they've had a good season, only I think three losses, maybe maximum four. Uh, but then, I said Creighton would need to beat some of those teams like Providence. Well, they didn't beat like Providence. They beat number 19 Providence, 73-67, to 67, uh, to get a quality win onto their resume. They just need to keep winning. They are more than capable of doing it. They might be still the most talented team in the Big East. They are just working on getting things together, and I think they've started to kind of get things going in the right direction. Uh, maybe Xavier is the only team that's still better than them at this point, and UConn as well. Uh, but I think they are a better team than Providence when they're healthy, and they have been healthy recently and hopefully will continue to be that way. Then you have Clemson, who beat number 24 Duke 72-64. to Clemson is undefeated in the ACC this year. I don't know how that happened, but uh, they are. They are definitely cementing themselves as a potential tournament team. They, I don't think, will need the auto bid. I think they have two really horrible non-conference losses that are holding back their resume overall, but they're still a very quality team, and they should be viewed as a tournament team right now. Uh, and they will be moving up in my bracket definitely with this win. Then you have number 12, Xavier, who beat Marquette, uh, the number 25 team in the country, 80-76. to 76. This was also in my weekend predictions, but Xavier once again proving that they are the best team uh, in the Big East, while Marquette, still a pretty solid team themselves. They are not getting blown out by any teams uh, their losses are only to good teams, and they have a bunch of good wins as well. Uh, not quite sure how this team will fare when we get to the tournament, but for now, if nothing goes awry, like seriously, seriously awry, uh, they should be a tournament team for sure. Then you have number three, Purdue, who beat Michigan State 64-63. to Closer than I actually expected, uh, although Michigan State has at times looked like the second best team in the Big Ten. They are coming off a very rough week uh, with a loss to Illinois as well. Um, but then you have number 17, Miami, who barely scraped by Syracuse, winning 82-78. to Syracuse, uh, the first loss this year when leading or tied at the half. Um, but Miami, able to keep marching on, keep getting more victories, definitely moving themselves closer into locked territory for the tournament. I would say they're in that territory right now, but it's too early to say that for any team technically. Uh, but they should be a team that easily makes the tournament. And then 
We'll move on to the upsets. So giving Michigan State some momentum before that game against Purdue, they beat number 18 Wisconsin 69 to 65. But as we'll talk about in a little bit, number 18 is not a number that should be next to Wisconsin's name for the rest of the season. And frankly, they shouldn't have any numbers next to their name for the rest of the season. Uh, But earlier in the week, before Marquette lost to Xavier, they beat number six UConn 82 to 76. So Marquette actually having what I would describe as a positive week by beating a top 10 team by six and still losing to Xavier by four. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Xavier now in the top 10, UConn not anymore, but still Marquette getting a quality win uh, and showing that they belong beating a contender and playing very well against another fellow contender. So Marquette definitely trying to solidify themselves as the third best team in the Big East. Uh, My bracket reflects that and will continue to do so. Then you had Kentucky who beat number five, Tennessee, 63 to 56, This was probably the most surprising upset of the week. If it wasn't, then it was the one that I'm about to talk about, or maybe the last one that I'll talk about. Uh, But Kentucky has been off all season. There's just been something a little bit off with them, despite having Oscar Sheepway and despite returning Xavier Wheeler. They just haven't been as good as advertised uh, and as good as they are on paper with how much talent they have. Uh, Cason Wallace as a freshman stepping up and being a great player alongside having the National Player of the Year returning should mean that automatically you are as good, if not maybe even a little bit better than the year before. But instead of being two-seed quality this year, they are barely tournament quality this year. This win goes a long way towards putting them back on the bubble, but I don't even know if I had them even on my bubble. I think they were in the first four out or the next four out for me in my last bracket, but definitely not still in the tournament. Uh, Maybe back in it as of now, who knows? Uh, But we will see that tomorrow, actually, and I'll talk about that later. But then Oregon beat number nine, Arizona, 87 to 68. Maybe not so surprising that Oregon, with their talent, was able to win this game, but the margin they won by was definitely uh, a shocker for me. Um, Oregon, though, getting a quality win. Their resume, definitely not good enough to be tournament quality in a very, very weak Pac-12. Pretty much any game you lose is going to be a bad loss unless you're playing Arizona, UCLA, or Arizona State, and kind of USC as well. Uh, But I just don't think Oregon's going to be able to win enough of those games to end up in the NCAA tournament, making up for their bad start to the season and their sometimes inexplicable losses in non-conference. Uh, then you have Vanderbilt, who beat number 15 Arkansas 97-84. to 84. Arkansas having a rough week. They were favored early in the week and lost that game too. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but Vanderbilt, definitely not a team that's supposed to beat Arkansas, and Arkansas definitely not supposed to lose to teams the quality of Vanderbilt. But in this game, nonetheless, that is exactly what happened. Um, and by a pretty sizable margin, too. Then you have New Mexico, who beat number 23, San Diego State, 76-67. to 67. Yes, this is an upset. Uh, despite New Mexico only having two losses, their resume is actually not that great. They're trending downwards more and more and more uh, as you reevaluate their resume and other teams pick up quality wins. They're just kind of getting left in the dust, and that record doesn't really hold up anymore when they have the two bad losses that they do. Uh, and then you have St. John's, who beat number 6, UConn, 85-74. to 74. This, I think, is the only one that contends with Kentucky beating Tennessee on the road for the most surprising upset of the week. Uh, St. John's is a good team. They have appeared in my bracket a few times this season and been on the bubble for most of it, but they are not good enough to beat UConn on the road uh, in the fashion that they did. This game wasn't particularly close either. Just this team shouldn't be good enough to beat a team as good as UConn is, and I'm starting to lose some faith in UConn, although... I still think they're a good three or four seed type of a team that has a lot of potential, but definitely not looking like a one or a two anymore with their most recent performances. Then, let's move on to the other important games. There's only five of them. 
But Texas A&M beat number 20, Missouri, 82-64. Missouri, still don't really know why this team was ranked. Uh, but look, Texas A&M did a good job getting the win over a ranked team, although I don't even know if that win ends up being quad one. And A&M has had a very good start to the conference season, and if they're able to continue that, um, maybe they'll get back to where they were at the beginning of the season. They started the season in the top 25, uh, started in the top 30, somewhere like that in my bracket. I didn't really believe all of that hype, uh, but then they fell all the way out of the bracket and off the bubble, and now I think they're clawing their way back on if they can continue to pick up victory after victory. And then staying in the SEC, number four, Alabama beat number 15, Arkansas, 84-69. to 69. This was before Arkansas lost to Vanderbilt. Uh, so Arkansas kind of in a downward spiral now with two near 15-point losses by 13 to Vanderbilt by 15 Alabama. Arkansas was favored by five points in this game. So this was not an upset. At, I mean, this, if, sorry, this, if anything, could have been an upset. Um, definitely wasn't an upset if Arkansas had won the game. So just a surprising result that they were lo- that they lost by so much to a team that's really only marginally better than them on paper. Uh, but Alabama definitely not looking like there's a marginal difference now, looking like there's a big gap between them and the rest of the SEC. Then you have number 17, TCU, who beat number 11, Kansas State, 82-68. to Mentioned that in my predictions a little bit, so I won't go over it too much, but Kansas State picking up their second loss of the season as TCU stays with only three. Then you have Indiana, who beat number 18, Wisconsin, 63-45. to Indiana was cold, 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 cold recently. Had a home loss to Northwestern, um, had another loss before that, and then, of course, they play Wisconsin, and all of a sudden, everything's fine again. They beat them by 18. Uh, so, again, proving that Wisconsin is not one of the top teams in the conference. I had my suspicions about them, despite having to kind of hype them up a little bit just because they beat up on their bad schedule. Um, and then, finally, number 24, FAU, beat Western Kentucky 76-62. to FAU's first game in program history as a ranked team, and they are able to come out with the victory. That is why that game is important. FAU maybe is a top 25 team, maybe isn't, kind of on that border in my bracket, and we'll see where they go from there. But that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, January 24th, where we will recap my weekend predictions, uh, have our weekly look at the NBA and college basketball action, and discuss NFL divisional playoff uh, action. And in the meantime, be sure to check out my additional content, including my NCAA tournament brackets that are posted every Wednesday, my picks for next weekend's games that will be posted as always on Thursday, all of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.